I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ramdas's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ramdas, Krishnadas, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more. The Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash inner academy. Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Chai and Chat series with Krishnadas on the Pilgrim Heart podcasts of the Be Here Now Network. In this series, over a cup of chai, Krishnadas chats with seekers to answer a question of their choice relating to the path of life. Chai and Chat series is an offering of the Kirtanwala Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba, a great spiritual teacher of India. More information can be found at kirtanwalafoundation.org, K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com. Hi. Hi, Krishna. How are you? Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, My question is, how do we inspire ourselves and our family and friends to stay connected to, like, our inner source and light when there seems to be a lot of ego and negativity in the outside world? You know, there's really no outside world. Right. 
It kind of looks like that. That's basically our problem, is that we think things are outside ourselves. Um, and as far as keeping other people connected, let's try to connect ourselves nice, first, yeah. you know? The deep, more deeply that we're connected with something real or deeper within ourselves, other people will feel that, you know? Right. All we can do is be present with people as much as we can, you know? And they'll feel that. They'll feel the difference if you're not judging and obsessing and trying to help them. And, because they may be in better shape than we are. You know? Right. We don't know. <laughs> It's just our projections, right? So yeah. family stuff is really difficult. You know, wow. They always say, if you want to know how your spiritual practice is going, <laughs> go home for a while and yeah. see what happens. Like you're reading and, my mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's for it's sure. It's really rough. But I'm also a teacher, so I feel like compelled to you know, help others. But sometimes I turn on the news, and it's just yeah. so, yeah. I'm like, how do I convey this you know, to others when sometimes myself I struggle with? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's good to be honest with people right, right. because when you share your when you're honest with people you share your process right. and if your process is 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 a kind of self-aware process where you're trying to free yourself of uh, those negative reactions to things if you share that process with people they they get exposed to something they may not even know exists right. you know um, what, what are you, when you say you're a teacher with yoga, but yoga. a lot of people come uh, to me like yeah. for advice, and you know, yeah. you feel like yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, well, no, I should. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The more the more you do your practice, right. the better it is for you, and the better it is for everyone else. And the more, the more, um, the more. You do your practice with a kind of a openness and a calmness and a centeredness. Right. If you use your practice to center yourself and calm yourself, that will lead you into deeper and deeper openings and it'll change the way that you see the world. Right, right, right. It's from your practice that, that these fruits will come. The fruits don't come from thinking. Right. You can't, you can't, you can't escape from a prison that's made of thought. Right. Every thought is the prison, right? So our, when we're doing our practices, our job is to be there with it completely as much as, much as we can and to notice when we're not right. and to come back and do every movement with awareness, you know? Right. Keep using that as, as, your, as your center of attention. Right. And it'll bring you into a quieter place inside. Right. And from that place, then you you enter into what we call the outside world, and, and then you enter it into it a different way instead of like this. Right. You know, okay, hit me, you know? It's like a little different. Yeah. Because I, I feel, when I, come, I am doing my practice, I feel those great moments, but then, like I said, sometimes, like, it's just like politics or the news or, yeah. or I'll hear something, I'm like, and it feels it's like it's me time. against them or something, you know, and like, yeah. how do I convey to my students, it's going to be okay, yeah, yeah. when sometimes I'm going, is it going to be okay? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know? it's going to be what it is, you know, right, whatever right. it is, we're going to have to deal with it. Right, right, right. So we ought to try to deal with it now, right. starting now, right, and right. not worry about what it's going to be later. Exactly, yeah. <clears throat> be present, I think. As much, you know, being present means being aware of what's going on with you, inside of you right now. And as you go through the day and as you do your practice, 
and oh, I'm stuck in fear again. Right. I mean, you may not be able to let go of it for a while, but if you notice it, it's different than being completely pushed around by it. Just the right. noticing is different. Yeah. So. Thank you. You know. And then the mind goes crazy. I mean, when I was doing Buddhist meditation in Bodh Gaya, I had hurt my knee that I, I couldn't even barely sit cross-legged. I had to sit with my leg out for a while. And it was terribly painful, you know, with the leg out there and the body, this and that, and you can't move, you know? So you have to deal with it. <laughs> and having to deal with it is a good thing yeah. because if we just forget that we can deal with these things or that they can be included in our practice, in our yeah. life, if we lose that fear, if we can be aware of the fear we have of letting everything in, and that it's going to kill us, it's going to overrun us, it's going right, to, you know, right. you know where are you going to go? <laughs> you'll always be here, right. wherever you go. Even after you take your last breath, you'll be here, right. they say. I, don't, I haven't done that this life yet, so I can't tell you. Right. But that's what they say, so, you know, there's nowhere to go. Right. And there's also nowhere to go where it's going to be all right all the time. Mm. No amount of practice is going to make it all all right out there all the time. The only thing it's going to do is make us much more confident in how we can meet every day and every moment. Right. That's what we've got to develop, that confidence. That comes from continually doing the practices. Yeah. And you share your process with, the, with your students, you know? Yeah. That's what helps them. You share, you say, this is, what, this is how we learn and get the strength to deal with whatever arises. Right. We can't control the outside. Right. The only vote we might be able to get someday is how we react to what comes up. Mm. And that, that will come through, you know, understanding what the path is all about and, and doing some practice. Thank you. I love your glasses. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, good. Thank you. I sang, I, I, when did, were you there when I sang in Vegas? Yeah. Yeah, that was well, how many years you. ago? Yeah, how many years ago was that? <laughs> Not last summer, the summer before. No, yeah. that no, I'm thinking oh. of the old days with oh, Sherry. Oh, Sherry. Sherry, yeah, Sherry. that was about 12, 13 well, years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. a long time ago. We really appreciate you coming. That was great. Yeah, I hope I can get back sometime. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love you too. Yeah, Thank good. you so much. Thank you. Thanks for <laughs> coming. Huh? Thank you. <laughs> I hope you get your plane. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Thank you. I feel it's so great too. Like with with all, every time you're with the groups too, you you're so honest about your process. And I think sometimes maybe yeah. I hold back of that. So that that yeah. really helps you reminding Good. me to yeah. like be honest and be like, you know what? I have anxiety too about it and this and that. And then that honesty helps them feel like. Of course, oh. it doesn't. They see that you're yeah, working with the same stuff they're working me, with, right? You know? And then they feel okay. And then they say, wow. This is, yeah. not only do they feel okay, but they feel, they feel okay about having those right. feelings. And they also recognize that you, it's okay to work with those feelings and not pretend that they're not there. Right, right, right. If you're pretending, then you can't teach them right, to right, pretend. Right, right, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you so cool. much. All that right. helps. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Take the cup. Thank you. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Very good. How are you? So, recently I gave myself a present, uh -huh. and that was to take your three-day workshop oh, wow. at the Garrison. Oh, you were at Garrison. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. And we got into this question and answer mm -hmm. period, 
I don't remember what the question was, but your answer was, it doesn't matter who the human being is, they're all on the path to enlightenment. We're all planting positive seeds. We're all um, doing all kinds of different practices, you know, to to yeah. move forward towards mm -hmm. enlightenment or, or consciousness. And what was interesting, the whole room got very quiet and comfortable and it almost felt like the room smiled because your answer was, it doesn't matter what practice. Right. It's whatever you feel comfortable mm -hmm. with. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you bounce from practice to practice once your comfort level and you're ready. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just such a lovely, mm -hmm. a lovely answer, and it, and it initiated such a lovely response mm -hmm. from, from the group. So I got to thinking, um, from your perspective, what do all the practices have in common? Hindu, mm -hmm. Buddhism, Catholicism, the spiritual part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's my question. They all, they all have some... Everyone who's doing them has some longing to be free of suffering. Right. You know. Yeah. It comes from, even if it's covered up with a storyline about things, about why people think they're doing them, right. they're really trying to alleviate and dissolve their sense of separateness. Mm -hmm. You know, some people will do it through devotional practices where they, they follow that love instinct, that love feeling. Right. And they try to merge with that completely. Some people will do it through what you know, what might be called awareness practices, mm -hmm. um, where you, even in a, any kind of emotion or any kind of thought is something to be let go of and become aware of. And like, but ultimately, they all—they're all about an individual's desire to be free and right. suffering, right. and, to, and to, to to know who we are, mm -hmm. you know, whatever that might mean. Right. I mean. It's not necessarily that somebody doing this practice would say that about this practice, but, you know, um, pretty much it's, it's just us folks trying to get out of here, right. you know, trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Are there any commonalities on phases or, or stop points or, I know it's not linear, but, mm -hmm. you know, or, or, so, I mean, if the means, it doesn't matter what the means are and the ends are, uh, to alleviate suffering. Mm -hmm. Are there any like set phases or points where? I don't, I, you know, there might be some basic map of it all, but I, I don't really know that. I, From your e experience? Either that or I'm still stuck in the first, the, you know, the first little, right. little half jump step, you know? Right. Um, I think. As time goes on, one gets more uh, accepting of oneself and one's what, can, what one can do and what one can't do. You know. Uh, so who's in control here? It's not really control, but you know, when I uh, in India, I hurt my knee very badly mm -hmm. when I was with Maharaji, and. <clears throat> uh, so I wanted, I was going to go to the hospital, but I decided to go to the temple first and tell him that I was going to the hospital because mm -hmm. I wouldn't be there later in the day to see him. Right. So my friend helped me walk. I could hardly walk. I limped into the temple and 
he was sitting all alone uh, with one Indian guy on his on his tucket on mm -hmm. his bench in the middle of the courtyard. There was no one around him, nothing, right? And I limped in and, in, and I sat down. And he didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, he saw me limping. He didn't say anything. Yeah. And I thought, this is weird, you know. And I also thought he was going to tell me to get out because we weren't supposed to come until the afternoon. Mm -hmm. But he, he didn't. Snuck in. He didn't. He let me sit there for a while. So I thought, fine, I'm going to sit here. You can cut the leg off right there, mm -hmm. and I'll just sit here. That's... Then he got up, and he walked, started walking to the back of the temple, and he took the hand of the Indian guy who was with him. Mm -hmm. And they were walking, and as the further he got from me, he started leaning on the guy, mm -hmm. leaning on him. It was like he could hardly walk, you know? And I thought, my goodness, he's taking on the karma of my knee, whatever that Because I had been obsessing, what was it that happened? Why did this happen, you know? So, oh my God, he's taking the karma. At that instant, he whipped around and ran back to the tuck, and he sat down and said, you thought I was in pain? You wanted to help me? And he pet me on the head. Very uh -huh. good, very good. Great, you know? So later in the day, I was still thinking about my knee, of course. Later in the day, the rest of the group came and uh, he pulled out a Bible from somebody's bag. Uh -huh. And he opened it up, read that. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, first of all, he's not supposed to be able to read English. <laughs> Second of all, he didn't even look. You know, he just opened it up and, mm -hmm. and, he, and I looked at it. And it was from St. Paul, Corinthians. Right. And it said, it was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Right. And I beseeched the Lord three times to take it from me. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Mm. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Right. So I've been oh, thinking beautiful. about that for 40 years. Yeah. And Ram Dass and I talked about it a lot. Mm -hmm. And we decided that we were proof that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's in yeah. our real, really in our real inability to do anything about anything. Mm -hmm. Everything that happens that's wholesome and good and helpful in us and everyone else is, is the doing of, of that one that lives within us. Right. And we are the proof that in our helplessness that those things come from a deeper place. Right. Right? Yeah. So in terms of doing practice and what we should think about and what we should understand, next, right. be the best person you can be. Right. Garner your forces and your energy to mm -hmm. do, to really give yourself to your practices. Right. You know, and, and really let them bring fruit, the fruits of practice to your life. Right. You know? Yeah. And Beautiful. You know, and just do the best you can yeah. all the time, as, as, as much of the time as you remember to do the best you can, which you'll notice is not going to be too much of the time. Right. Which is humbling, it to is say humbling. the least. You know? It is humbling. Uh, interesting that you pick out that story, because mm. I've been struggling with a right knee problem for oh, really? <laughs> a little over right. a year. Yeah. Right, let's see a doctor. Yeah. Well, first, first guy who was here was a physical therapist. I have. Today he's gone. Is yeah. he, he's not yeah. here anymore? No, I think he's yeah. gone. Okay. <laughs> all right. But yeah. Too much yoga? A mm, little bit. Mm. Yeah. Well, my knees are still bad, but they don't, you know, I can sit cross-legged, so I don't care. Yeah. Half. I can hit, sit mm -hmm. half, half cross-legged at yeah. this point. Yeah. Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah. So, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah.
I have a basic question about romantic love and unconditional love. Mm -hmm. um, if unconditional love is sort of the whole answer to everything, everything, <laughs> right? You know, freedom from suffering, liberation, all that kind of stuff. There's a couple things about romantic love or desire that seem inherently problematic. There's the whole. Like they don't work. But next. Okay, yeah, okay. So is that so? Is that really just it then? Because the. It's not meant to work. Pleasure is not supposed to be forever, nor is pain. Romantic love is very much based on pleasure, getting getting something from someone, giving something back. There's two things involved, two people, or more, or something like that, you know. But it's a finite thing from one person to another. When I was very much in love with this woman once, I was telling my Indian father about this, and he said to me, my boy, he said, relationships are business. Do your business, enjoy. He said, do your business. Be a human being and enjoy it, enjoy. But love, he said, love lasts 24 hours a day, every day, since the beginning of time. Love is who we are. It does not between people. It's who we are. Now, because we don't know what that is being born in the West, unconditional love, or the love that isn't love of an object or desire for an object, we try to substitute with other things, like we've been taught to do since day one in this culture, in this world. And the only problem is it doesn't work. But it's not supposed to work. And if you don't expect it to work in a way that it's not meant to, you can be very happy. Mm. But it's the expectations that we have for romantic love that are unreasonable. How can somebody be who you want them to be when they already are who they are? You don't see the person who they are. You don't see all of them. You only see the part that you want. And then you force that person to be, to give you what you want, to show you the shape you need to see. Right. We've talked about it as a sort of a tit-for-tat kind of thing, a, a negotiation. Business. Yeah. And it's fine. That's what human beings do. Mm -hmm. That's what we all do. And it's fine as long as you know you're playing the game. When you forget that you're playing the game or doing business and expect it to give eternal happiness is bound to be problems. So perhaps then just to um, put it succinctly that I, I, just, I, just did that, that I can understand it, <laughs> that I can understand it, uh, basically that, you know, desire by nature is fleeting, including that of sexual desire. No, desire is almost desire. never, it doesn't go away. It's insatiable. It, it's insatiable, it's, exactly. Yeah. It's the nature of desire. You can never satisfy it. It goes from one to the other. So that's why the Buddha said all suffering comes from craving. Right. Give up craving. Give up. You want so should we all be nuns and monks? No, no. We should just we should keep grabbing everything we can until we're just tired of it. And then you grab, but you don't expect it to be anything but that. Okay. But then other things can happen. If you're not expecting somebody to give you, to provide certain things, then you can kind of see the person for who they are. And a whole different level of intimacy can open up in there. Well, that leads to my next question is, what if you're not attracted someone to someone, but they treat you well? Take them for all you can get, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and what if you're the object of a lot of attraction, meaning that you um, attract a lot of elements, uh, you know, like a lot of sexual energy. Mm -hmm. For example, a problem that I've had is, is that a lot of people seem to say I have a lot of Shakti or they have, you know, some version of that or whatever mm -hmm. that means to people. I don't know. I think it varies. And I just think I get a, a lot of unwanted attention mm -hmm. and not a lot of attention about what's beneath the surface. 
and mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any way that I can transform that or it's just sort of, uh, you know, case by case basis. You know, uh, other people's business is other people's business. Mm -hmm. It's the same for me. I sit there and people project onto me. They can do that. That's okay. I don't mind. I don't identify with that because I, I had, I went through a lot of stuff about that, and finally, I broke through into a place where I don't, I no longer. It just, it's just kind of like rainwater off of me. It doesn't by Maharaji's grace. Mm -hmm. So that's you have to find who you are in a deeper way to yourself. And then the effect of how other people see you, whether it's positive or negative, it won't, it won't push those buttons. It won't be something that's pleasurable or, or, or painful or desirable or undesirable. But it has to do with how you see yourself as well. Yeah. So in... It's a question of going deeper yourself and finding out more about yourself, who you are and what's in there. And then it becomes irrelevant what people project onto us. So is the, is the desire for relationship which exists, meaning that, you know, I still have, this is the earlier part of the question, I mm -hmm. still have a desire to be in a relationship, mm -hmm. sure. hopefully a partnership. Mm -hmm. um, is that, you know, how does that then square with this, this business of... Uh, as long as you don't expect it to make you happy, it should be great. Right. How can we help but do that, right? That's that's the predicament that we're programmed with that romance thing. And we want to fall in that love that we never fall out of. So, so that after that, after you've fallen in the love that you never fall out of three or four hundred times, you know, you kind of get over trying that, trying to make that happen or even to look for that. And then you can begin to have a relationship that's based on some kind of reality. With yourself. Person. No, with another person, of course. Okay. But you can't get from another, you can't be with another person you can, more than you can be with yourself or less. As much as you can be with yourself and in a, in a not in a, um, the quieter you are inside, the more you can be available to another human being, the more available you really are to yourself. So you have, one has to work through different issues that they have that are propelling us and our minds and our stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. One has to clean that stuff up. If one wants to meet another person, you, you, there's no room in there for anybody. You know, if you want to invite somebody into your home, it has to be, you have to clean it up a little bit, otherwise there's no place for them to sit. Mm -hmm. So the issues that you're seeing on the outside are really on the inside if there is an inside and outside. They're your issues, they're not the issues of other people. And if you recognize that, then you can start to work with them in a new way by accepting yourself as you are, as you are, with all the stuff, and then giving it space and letting go of the stuff that keeps arising that causes you suffering inside. And you get into deeper, deeper aspects of longing, you know. Uh, you know, I always wanted to be, I always saw myself as one of these Tibetan yogis with this, with this hot shakti on his lap, you know, with, you know, with the, 
you know, all this stuff. And I thought it was, wow, that's where it's at, you know. And then I read somewhere that the, this other sect of, of Tibetans kind of feel bad for those guys because they need a shakti to, to get into that bliss. Mm-hmm. And totally twisted my, my mind around. Because I always thought, wow, that's the thing. And then I said, these guys feel sorry for those guys because they need somebody on their lap in order to get it. Mm-hmm. It turns out it's not quite that black and white. But the idea was that it went, my, I wheeled around. So, you know, relationships are it's hard work. And I think they're the best work that we can do as human beings. Because, first of all, we're in relationship to everyone and everything. Right. The kind of relationship you're talking about, you really get down to the nitty-gritty, you know? It's not easy. It's not easy to to surrender to how much stuff we're carrying, you know? But once you do, it all changes, because you see that... You see that the world will respond to you differently. It'll just happen differently, naturally, as you see yourself differently. That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate that because I think that even some of the choices I've made within the last year or so since my practice has intensified a lot has borne a fruit which is more uh, uh, pared down, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's you said, mm-hmm. you get quieter, you get simpler, mm-hmm. you know, there's not as much chaos, there's not mm-hmm. as much stuff going on. And, um, and in, that, in that sort of restraint, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. um, there is a little bit more, um, for me anyway, discerning. Mm-hmm. In terms of yeah, recognition of the way things are, not not the way we imagine they can be. Yeah, that's the hard part. An acceptance of that. It's hard. It's very hard because there's an aloneness that we that we uh, we have. It's not a loneliness, but it's an aloneness, and it, it's all the time. You're gonna you were born alone. You eat your food alone, you go to sleep alone, you're going to die alone. There's never another person in there with you except yourself, your true self. Mm. And the more we look outside, the less we're looking, we're going to find what, what we're really looking for. Once you find it there, you find it everywhere, all the time. Okay, that I might hold you to. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know. You know I'll buy some. <laughs> Right, we can bottle it. We can drink to it. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, Katie. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. Krishnadas is renowned for leading Kirtan, the spiritual practice of chanting and workshops around the world. For more information about him, please visit krishnadas.com. We also invite you to visit kirtanwalafoundation.org for more offerings dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba. Love everyone, serve everyone, remember God.